0: This is Conversations with Mashi Lipska. And a good of Shabbos. And it's wonderful to be with you at this time of year, which is a time of extra joy. I want to greet all my friends at our parents' home. How are you? I hope that this time is giving you an opportunity to share extra joy. All our friends at Sandra Gardens and how are you? You're surrounded by so many people, so many opportunities to be happy by giving happiness. The days are getting shorter. Picture everyone in Johannesburg today getting ready for Shabbos. We're still lighting candles at six fifteen. The days are getting shorter. Shabbos will come out tomorrow night at 7.16. But picture the activity just in Johannesburg today. People are rushing around to get ready for Shabbos. They're out shopping. They're home cooking. Tables are being set. Chairs are being set up. Tablecloths are being hauled out. Houses are being cleaned, prepared. All of this in order to honor Hashem's special day. At the same time, children are studying Torah at schools. At the same time, so much kindness is going on in hospitals, in homes, on buses, in the street, in the shops. At the same time, there are special activities going on. The chief rabbi and rebbitzin are preparing Sinai, Sinai Encore, another huge gathering to study Torah, to be inspired, to be uplifted. What a special town we have. What a special chief rabbi we have. And today, groups of high school girls will be going out to 10 different nursery schools to share the joy of Shabbos with them. These are the mitzvah kids who go out once or twice a year to share the joy of a mitzvah, give a gift to the children. The children will be receiving Shabbat, coloring in books. They'll be uplifted and inspired, and Shabbos will be presented to them on their level. So much good is going on. We want to explore this good and the happiness that that it does bring, and can bring. But we'll do that after this break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. Akut nerv Shabbos. Here we are on the 17th day of the first Adar. Here we are. And this past week there was a minor festival. And that minor festival only comes once in two or three years. It's called Purim Kotan, Purim Katan, the minor Purim. When does it come? Well, seven times in 19 years, once every two or three years. It comes when there are two months of Adar. Two months of Adar, which our rabbis have instituted every two or three years, an extra month of 30 days in order to synchronize the lunar With the solar year, because Jewishly, our months designate our festivals, but the festivals have to be in their seasons. We go according to the months. The new moon is called Rosh Chodesh, but our festivals, in addition to being on the right day, in the right month, also need to be in their right seasons. And if Pesach is to be in the spring in Eretz Israel, then we have to adjust that shortfall of 11 days that exists between a lunar and a solar year. Otherwise, before we know it, Pesach will be in the winter and slip back and back and back to the autumn, to the summer. And that cannot be. So this year is an Iberior, a Jewish leap year. Shana Me'uberet And during this month we are given 30 extra days but of all the months chosen amazing to see that the month of joy is doubled up and this past week there was a festival and a festival that comes exactly 30 days before Pesach Normally Mishenichnas Adar Marbim besimcha. When Adar enters, we increase in joy. And it follows then that each day that we go more into the month of Adar, there's more joy. Normally it's 30 days of joy. This year it's 60 days of joy. Why is joy so important? Joy is actually the core of everything. It's the fire. It's the fuel. It's actually the center. It's essential. We are bidden to serve God. We try to serve him. But not, God forbid, with a heavy heart, feeling coerced, feeling forced. What should I do? I have to do this. Says King David. Serve God with joy. And the word serve implies that it may not always be easy because the root word of ivdu, serve, is the word "evid" avodah. It may be hard work, but it's essential. And the second part of that passage says, bo'u lefanav birnana. Serve God with joy and then come before him with rejoicing. We want to understand How to come to the presence of God. We want to get close to the essence of life. We want to be in touch at every moment with what I'm here for. I want to come close. I want to come in the presence of God. How do I do it? The answer is with joy. It's essential. Because simcha porates together, Joy breaks down all barriers. There are so many barriers in life. So many drawbacks. So many things that get in the way. When we can access simcha, it drives us. It propels us. It brings us lef vanav. It brings us into the presence of God. And by that we mean To understand what we are in the world for. What is the Pnim? What is the inner meaning? You know, we're also taught that there's no joy like the breaking down or the removal of doubt. When you're there, when you're looking at it, you're in the presence of the king. You are sure. Lefanav, you're able to see, you're able to perceive. And this year, there are 60 days where extra simcha, extra joy, extra clarity can be perceived. Purim is known as the festival of the ultimate simcha. We rejoice above and beyond the norm. We are now in a very special season. Because our sages teach us that 30 days before any festival, we begin to prepare for the festival. Not difficult to understand. Today is Eref Shabbos. What is going on in Johannesburg? People are planning and shopping and cooking and chopping and washing and setting. People are preparing. A very important guest is about to arrive and you don't wait until the guest is there to start getting ready. There's such joy when you know that an important guest is coming, someone you love. And you think about that visit well in advance and you think, what do they like? How can I prepare? I want to make sure everything's clean, fresh, welcoming. I want to make sure that the foods they like are there, that all the touches that I can possibly put into place are going to shout when they come. You are so welcome. Wherever they will look, they will see that they were welcome. They will see that their visit has been anticipated. And that is what we do every week for Shabbos. Well, think about business. You don't just rush in. You don't just sign the deal. There has to be investigation. There has to be deliberation. There has to be consultation. There has to be investigation. And only then will you sign the deal. 30 days before any Chag. Of course we have to prepare a, chag, a festival, is a godly gift. How can we be worthy of that godly gift? Purim has the greatest significance. Why? Well, every mitzvah, sorry, every festival, is very intricate. And we understand that. And we have to prepare for it. Pesach will come after Purim. And we know there will be so much that we have to think about, we have to plan for, we have to save for, we have to order, we have to buy, we have to bring into the house. So much to think about so it should be absolutely right. We want to talk about Purim. How is Purim different? There are so many intricate laws to Pesach. Not really so many intricate laws to Purim, but we'll talk more about that in just a moment. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker. This is Chai FM. And we're talking about 30 days of preparation before any Chag, any festival. We know that the festival of Purim is approaching in less than 30 days now. How do we prepare When we think of Pesach, there are so many intricate details. We must get matzah. And there are levels and degrees of getting better and better matzah. There's matzah that's made by machine. There's matzah that's made by hand. There's matzah that's made from flour that's called flour that's shmurah. But it's made on a machine. And we need to know... That our minds and our hearts are focused because to keep Pesach properly requires preparation in the detail. We need to get wine. What kind of wine? We want to make sure everything's kosher on the highest level. We want to make sure that we clean properly. We want to make sure that we know what we're doing. What about Sukkot? Sukkot, there's a Sukkot to build two specifications so it's a kosher Sukkah with the right schach for a roof we want to get the Arba Minim, the four kinds the Etrog, the Lulav Hadassim, Maravot and they must be kosher, etc. etc. How can we prepare for Purim? Is there a mitzvah that we should be preparing for now? Well, we could be preparing homentashen and putting them in the freezer. But how? What is it written? What are the laws? If we look at the mitzvahs of the day of Purim, we find there are four important mitzvahs. We need to hear the Megillah twice. And we start Purim by hearing the Megillah. That's in the evening. It'll be Wednesday night, the 20th of March. We're going to hear it again in the morning or sometime during the day on the 21st of March, the Thursday. And at the end of the day, we're going to have a feast, Seudat Purim. Can we prepare for those now? There is something else, the other two mitzvahs, that actually give us the focus of the day. We must give Mishloach Manot, Shalach Monas, give at least two ready-to-eat foods to a friend. And then, Matanot La'Evyonim, we must give to the poor, gifts to those who need. In other words, the importance of the day is actually, amazingly, the mitzvahs of the day to think about other people. That is really keeping pouring. And when we read the Megillah ahead of time, we actually prepare. Our minds get ready. We understand things from a different perspective. And after we hear the Megillah twice, we must give not only two ready-to-eat foods to one person, that's the bare bones of the mitzvah, But it really is to give to a friend with your whole heart. It really is to give to more than one friend. It's an expression of Ahavat Yisrael, to see the other. And then to seek out people in need and to give to them. Only then do we have the Purim feast. So the importance of the day really is to give to others. It's a festival of reaching out. But you can't just wait until the day to think about to whom will I give and what will I give? You've got to plan it ahead of time. So now 30 days before the Chag within the time of the 30 days, there's a special energy in the air. And that energy is an energy of transformation. That's the message of Purim. It's an energy of simcha. And the greatest simcha that we can have is when we do the will of Hashem. And the will of Hashem is expressed in the Torah. And the central mitzvah is love your fellow as yourself. To really celebrate Purim, let's start preparing now to think of others, to plan. How many people am I going to make happy on Purim? That will fill me with joy because that fills Hashem with joy. And so, it is a time now not to think, well, last year, yeah, I gave that one and that one, will do it again. Every year that God gives us in this world, we must do more and more. We must appreciate the life that He gives us by filling it With more. If he gives you more. It's in order that you should give more. From Purim Katan. 30 days before. The joy is intensified. How do we prepare? We have to plan our Purim. How are we going to cause other people to rejoice? You know. The word Katan. Small. Very often we feel small. Poor Im Katan, I feel like a child. What can I really do? What can I really change? People are suffering. Things are not the way they should be. The world is out of sync. I'm Katan. However, we are only Katan when we are not connected to the Gadol. God is called the Great Light. And our mission in this world is to be a small light, a steady light. Because when we are a small light, we actually connect with the big light. Wherever we are, Hashem has set the stage. And what we need to do is to think, what can I do now to fulfill the reason for me being alive in either Torah study prayer, or an active mitzvah. Whenever we do any of those things, those things are the will of Hashem. And when we do the will of Hashem, we are in front of Hashem. And Hashem comes and He blesses us. When He blesses us, He blesses us in all the things that we need. We know we need so many things. When we do His will, He does our will. We may be small, but our light shines, connects to Hashem's light and to other lights. We can bring joy to people, and that light that we bring to them reflects back to us as well. Let's examine this festival of Purim. What can we learn from it? Because thirty days before the Chag, we need to be preparing for the Chag. Let's understand this Chag. Let's begin by hearing what the Bal Shem Tov says. The Bal Shem Tov quotes the law that if you read the Megillah backwards, you haven't fulfilled your obligation. And the Rebbe explains. That the Baal Shem Tov says, if you read the Megillah like it happened only in the past, you haven't fulfilled Purim. You haven't fulfilled the Megillah. The purpose of the Megillah is to teach us how to behave in the present. You know, we talk about the Ganza Megillah, the whole Megillah. The whole Megillah comes to teach us so many, so many things. The first thing is, the Megillah has a name. And the name of the Megillah teaches us a tremendous amount. The name of the festival teaches us a tremendous amount. So the whole Megillah is full of lessons. But let's look at how the festival got its name, Purim. What's Purim? Well, in the Megillah it says, Therefore they called these days Purim, al-shaym ha-pur. Al-kein kar la ha-eile Purim. Why did they call these days Purim? Purim are lots. Pur is a Persian word. In Hebrew, we say goral, a lottery. So the question is asked, why do we use the Persian word Purim? Why don't we call the festival Goralot, for lots were cast by Haman to see when to kill the Jewish nation. Every single festival that we have has a Hebrew name. Even Hanukkah, which is not in the Torah, but our rabbis enacted it. It also is called with a Hebrew name. So why call Purim Persian? In a Persian language. Secondly, the name Purim doesn't talk about the salvation, the deliverance. It talks about the danger. Haman drew lots to see when would be the best time to, God forbid, destroy the Jewish people. So we have two questions. Why in Persian? And why is it not named for the salvation? thirdly, amazingly, of the 24 books of the Torah, God's name is missing. It's not in the Megillah. How could God's name be missing in the, one of the books of the Holy Torah? A Jew constantly says God's name. How are you? Thank God. What's going on? Baruch Hashem. We're always saying, Toda l'akel. praise be the Lord, thank God. So how can a whole book of the, of the holy writings be missing God's name? Three questions. But what's a name? A name conveys the essence. A name sends out a message. What's the name of this book? It's called Megillat Esther, the scroll of Esther. Esther? What does Esther mean? Esther means hidden, from the word lehastir, to hide. Megillat, Esther, Megillat means revelation, le galot. Hmm, two opposites. The title of the book has two opposites together. It's called Megillat, the revelation of Esther, or revealing and hidden. In fact, the name of the festival also has two opposites. We know that Purim is the greatest celebration. But the name talks about the decree, the lots that he drew. How can we call the greatest celebration joy that surpasses all joy? To the point where a person is so joyful... That he celebrates without limits. And yet, the name of the joyous joyous festival is the name of the decree. To understand all of these, let's look at the Megillah. Mordechai and Esther. Esther is the queen. Mordechai is her cousin. And Mordecai is an advisor in the court of the king. Mordecai and Esther hold the key to all of these contradictions. Let's look at the time that the Jews were in. At that time, the Jewish people had the greatest, most honored representatives serving in the royal court. Mordecai used to sit at the gate of the king. And our sages tell us in the Gemara that the king would consult with Mordechai for advice. And besides that, Mordechai had saved the king's life. And Esther, oh, she was the queen. She had found the grace and favor of King Achashverosh more than all the other maidens for years, the king looked for a queen. Think about it. And finally, after hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of meetings, this woman immediately found grace and favor in his eyes. So on the face of it, when the Jews heard of the decree that Haman wanted to kill them all, they should have immediately sent these representatives to try and intercede with the king and influence the king to change the decree. However, we see that the very first thing that Mordechai does is to dress himself in sackcloth and put ashes on his head. Mordechai turns to repentance. Mordechai calls the Jews together and urges them as well to search within their hearts and to return to Hashem. And only after that did he send a message to Esther to go and plead with the king. Plead with the king to save the Jewish nation. Let's look at what Esther does. She gets this instruction from Mordechai and she doesn't go immediately to the king the first thing she does is to tell Mordechai to gather all the Jews and have them fast and pray for three days and three nights. Hmm. In addition, Esther said she herself was going to fast. That's a hard one. Because when we first think about it, what would have seemed essential is for her to look beautiful, for her to find favor in the king's eyes. First of all, she's going in there against the law. It involved the risk of death. Because they had a a law, and the Megillah tells us that whoever comes into the king's inner court, who has not been called, he has one verdict, and that is, he would be executed. Esther couldn't be sure that the king would give her favor that she would find favor in his eyes in fact 30 days had already passed since the king had summoned her how could she even think of fasting for 3 days in a row an act like that well in the normal course of events would cause her beauty to fade she'd be pale she'd be weak she wouldn't look so good how in the world Could she even think of doing this? We'll be right back after this. Please stand by. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker. Delighted to be talking to you in these 30 days of preparation to Purim about Purim. Because without knowing how in the world can we act. And we're speaking about so many questions that come up about the name of the of the festival and the name of the Megillah. And now we're talking about the reaction of both Mordechai and Esther when they heard of the decree of Haman. And their, the seeming reaction could have been, they were very close to the king. Why did they not just go and speak to the king and influence him To change the decree. Talk sense to him. Mordechai was honored. He was the one the king consulted with. Mordechai had saved the king's life. He certainly was close to the king. Close to royalty. Esther herself was the queen. Esther was a queen that was chosen from so many, so many other women. After years and years of the king looking. For sure, there's no question. She's close to the king. And yet, when they hear of the decree, their reaction is a different one. First, Mordechai involves himself in introspection, in tshuva, puts on sackcloth and ash, calls his fellow Jews to repent as well. That's his preparation to asking Esther to go to the king. And Esther says, well, gather all the Jews and fast. I and my maidens will also fast. And only then I will go to the king. And we even ask, how could she fast? It would affect her physical beauty. But a Jew knows. And Mordechai and Esther knew. That Haman's decree was not just an accident, God forbid, a coincidence. Throughout our history, things have happened, and depending on our reaction, that's very often how the outcome has been. Mordechai and Esther knew that the decree against the Jews was a consequent, a consequence of failing within the people themselves. Some sort of failings had led heaven to allow this decree to become manifest on earth. And we have a rule. We cannot completely remove an effect without destroying the cause. So when it came to this decree, which was the effect of some sort of cause, their first action was to call upon the people and themselves to repent, to fast. And the truth is that fasting was not just a random kind of call. It actually focused on the specific sin that had to be fixed. Because the Medrash tells us that when Esther says, and they shall fast for me and neither eat nor drink, the Medrash says that Esther, in effect, was saying you are fasting because you have eaten and drunk at the feast of Ahashverosh. Ah, identifying the cause. Nothing happens randomly. These are not accidents, events, incidents of history. And only then, after the fasting, after the prayer, only then would Esther go to Achashverosh and ask him to annul the decree. So what is the juxtaposition of what's happening here? Hashem wants to bless us. He wants to give us good. But the rule in this world is that he wants to bless us. In all that you do through the natural means. Going to Achashverosh was just a way of allowing Hashem's deliverance to be achieved through natural means. The real cause of the salvation was not in the king's decision, but in the fasting, in the repentance that the Jewish people themselves did. Ahead of Esther going to the king. And so, even though Mordechai and Esther did use natural means, the emphasis was on seeing what is the underlying spiritual cause. And addressing that cause, and only afterwards doing something in the natural to allow God's blessing to flow into this world through a natural way. Well, the lesson is plain. In times of difficulty, whenever, God forbid, we are faced with danger. Well, there are those who believe that the very first thing you have to do is to try every natural means to kind of fix it. Well, the Megillah teaches you and teaches us do it in a little bit of a different order. The first thing we have to do is strengthen our bond with Hashem. How do we do that? Through studying His Torah and through keeping His mitzvahs. Extra Torah, extra mitzvahs. And only then we must do something normal or natural. Find a physical channel through which the deliverance can flow. And you know, when we go about it in that order that kind of behavior, it brings a miracle. It will be revealed, perhaps, in a physical way, in a natural way. But this is the way that you get a miracle. It's like writing a check. It's no use to write the check if you haven't put money in the bank first. The funds in the bank, those are the spiritual acts. Each one of us essentially knows that we are linked to Hashem and that Hashem is not tied down to the rules of nature. Even though he will send his blessings in a natural way, through a natural messenger, we have to prepare that channel, but only after we look for spiritual strengthening. Yes, it says God will bless you in all that you do, but that's only the channel. The main aim has to be that we prepare to receive God's blessings through studying the Torah and fulfilling His mitzvahs. Wow, that's the story of Purim. And we might think that that happened long ago and in the time of Egypt, and in the time of Hanukkah, and in the story of Purim. Well, God's presence was maybe more revealed at that time, but in our time, the time of exile, instead of God's revelation, it's one difficulty after another. It's called Choishech, Kaful, and It's a doubled and redoubled darkness. And one could think that in these times... Hashem has just given over His divine providence into the natural law, into the realm of things. Just go the way they go. The plants you, the seeds you sow, those are the plants you reap. Purim comes to say no. First of all, the miracle of Purim took place when it was so dark. The temple was destroyed. The Jews were scattered. They were dispersed amongst all the nations. And the truth is, the exile continued after the story of Purim. But we have to see how did the salvation come. It came not through natural causes, but through the Jews fasting for three days and three nights. And that explains why Purim is really about concealment. You know, we dress up on Purim, we hide our faces, because God's name is not mentioned in the Megillah. But the festival is hidden inside its Persian name. It's named after the decree of Haman. And of course, if the Megillah doesn't have God's name in it, it seems like, God forbid, God wasn't there. But that's only to bring home The truth, that even if it seems that way, a Jew is not tied down to the laws of nature. In everything a Jew does, whether I'm doing a mitzvah, that's my spiritual service, or I'm dealing with a fellow Jew, or even I'm dealing in the secular world, I am a Jew. Even if I'm being forced to speak another language, Purim. Even if I live in a time when decrees are being issued against me. Even when God's name is not seen. My modus operandi, the way I approach everything. When I see a difficulty, I strengthen myself in Torah and mitzvahs. I give more tzedakah. I reach out to another Jew. I strengthen my bond with God through studying his Torah. Here comes Sinai and Daba. I strengthen my bond with Hashem by raising my standards of mitzvahs, by teaching others, by giving a coin to tzedakah, by raising my standard of kashrut. Any one of those becomes a vessel for blessing. And then I do something In the natural order. In order that God's blessing, which I merited through my spiritual preparation, will now flow through the seeming nature, which is also a creation of God. In fact, in the deepest concealment, that's where you find the greatest revelation. Look at the name of the Megillah. Megillat Esther. Next to Esther, which is hidden, is Megillah, revealed. In the lottery, which seems to be random, that's Purim, is found a symbol for the unpredictable, the supernatural, the miracle. And our sages asked, where do we find a source for Esther in the Torah? In the place where God says, and I will hide, yes, hide my face on that day. Hashem is saying, even when my face is hidden, you can still reach I, Anochi. That's the name of God that is beyond all names. Anochi, Misha, Anochi. And I will doubly hide my face on that day. And through approaching Hashem with this formula, we reach the highest level of God, God beyond all names. And we have a teaching that every redemption gives strength, for future redemption, we had Purim Katan. We're preparing for the regular Purim. One month after that is Pesach. Each one of these are stages in redemption. The message of Purim will bring us the future redemption, because at that time all concealment will be turned into revelation. We're told that Lailo Kayom Yoir. Night will shine like day. How often is it that we yearn. For there to be some light in our lives. For there to be joy in our lives. And the answer is. An extra mitzvah. When we strengthen our bond with Hashem. Amazing amazing blessings. Come our way. May we all merit. To celebrate this Shabbos. The 18th day of the month of the first Adar, with added simcha, with added joy. And to make sure to remember, we must begin to prepare for Purim by thinking and planning and preparing as to how we're going to bring true joy to others. A Shabbas. Shabbos.